Number one, understand this stuff's probably not going to be stopped. This stuff is its own world that's being developed. This is kind of like the internet in the late 1990s. Get with the program or be left behind. You know, even Microsoft and Bill Gates got left behind. They didn't catch this. So if you feel a little bit like, oh, I'm lost, that's good. I would be skeptical about any sort of blockchain hasn't realized or demonstrated clear value that's worth over a billion dollars. I think XRP, Ethereum, Bitcoin actually have demonstrated very clear value that makes them worth so much. But any any blockchain technology, any crypto token that's valued above a billion dollars, you don't see real any real world deployments on top of it. Like even CryptoKitties on top of Ethereum is a great yes. use case. It shows that there's a demand for yes. a digital scarcity online. And, e- and it seems that Ether has proved itself as it, something it's getting that's there. the smart contract side of things. Oh yeah, I mean. I, most ICOs are launching on it. It's being used. It's, it's got very strong use cases. Um, so, you know, just be be hesitant. I, 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 I don't give trading advice, but I don't own IOTA. I'd like to see them develop further, hear some good reviews from computer scientists, and then I yeah. So let's do a speed round here, because people are asking. They, there's a lot of coins out there. There's literally a thousand plus besides the one you heard about. Neo, thoughts uh, it, in a it, nutshell. It, it, it is vaporware. You know, if, if you're interested in a blockchain technology team out of East Asia, check out Qtum. Quantum. Um, I was. You the, like that more? Than I, well, I, I'm very biased. I, I, I was uh, uh, the only American angel in their pre-sale, and now they're worth over a billion dollars. And Neo, to explain what Neo is. Real Neo, quick. Neo tends to be the Chinese Ethereum, pretty yes. much. Whereas Quantum actually has some real technological innovation. They take the Ethereum virtual machine. They pair it with the Bitcoin UTXO transaction style, and they use proof of stake for consensus. It's a, it's, it's a cool technology. The team is incredibly strong. So They're based where? They're, all, they're based primarily in Shanghai, but I think moving more towards Singapore and also have an office in Denver. But just look at the GitHub code repositories of NEO versus Quantum, and you'll see why, why Quantum is a much better bet if you have an East Asia thesis, which I do. And by the way, if we're losing some of you, The whole point of this show and this live call and what I'm doing is I want to get people in a place to, number one, understand this stuff's probably not going to be stopped. Bill Gates has said, hey, we're not stopping it's it. It's a tour even, de force. Even the, who was it, Janet Yellen, the, the, the big you know, no, U.S. Fed chair reserve, she said, look, this is outside of our, you know, she's not a big believer, but she's like, this stuff is its own world that's being developed. This is kind of like the internet in the late 1990s. Get with the program or be left behind. You know, even Microsoft and Bill Gates got left behind. They didn't catch this. So if you feel a little bit like, oh, I'm lost here, that's good. Yeah. You want to be, I always am trying to get myself around people or in rooms where I feel lost because always it's, be the dumbest person yeah, in the room. It's like lifting weights. If you're the strongest person, if you're your own personal trainer, you're not going to be as strong as if you have somebody stronger than you pushing you for the next rep. So this is mental reps trying to get you guys smarter. So let's talk about uh, somebody talk about steam. Steam's interesting. Uh, they use they're one of those first strong use cases for proof of stake, mm-hmm. which doesn't require mining like in the Bitcoin network, which is yes. less much less en- en- energy intensive. It's interesting. I don't like these social network plays really. So just so you guys know, Steam is kind of like a Reddit. Yeah, a decentralized crypto Reddit. Blockchain Reddit. I'm just not bullish on that. I think information is meant to be free. I don't think 
people are going to want to pay f- for information. I, you know, I think... Although net neutrality. We should talk about well, that. So, so the, what do you really think about the, the net neutrality just came out today. It was crazy. Getting repealed. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, Good or bad? Is it as big a deal as you think people are making of it? So I got like world. super liberal, progressive parents in Western Massachusetts, and they're freaking out. They're like, the internet is over. It's like, you guys weren't even on the internet until after me. Like, <laughs> and by the way, let it be over because the blockchain, if you talk to like Brock, your partner at Blockchain yeah. Capital, you know, he says the internet is an intermediary step. Like mm-hmm. we had like TV and conventional kind of communication, phones, modems, faxes, and then the internet was stage two. And he says the blockchain will replace everything. Yeah, I think it will underlie almost all value exchange yes. in the world. Uh, but, but even thinks websites right. will be, like Steam is an example yes. of this. So, so, so what's really, the only upside I see to net neutrality is that it will be a catalyst for innovation in this yes. Web 3.0. People, it'll speed up blockchain. More, more people working in the internet industry, especially at the infrastructural level, will be like, well, there's not much we can do with what we have now, let's move to blockchain technology. had a professor from, um, where was he, NYU or something here the other day, and he's amazing. He wrote this book called The Four about Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon, the four most powerful companies in the world. And he said, Google is God for us, many people. You no longer pray for answers. You Google them, okay? He said, Amazon is like, you know, our, our supermarket. We buy everything there. Um, he said Facebook is, I forget what it was, our social circle or something, but he said that Amazon, I mean Apple, is genitals. I was like, what? It was a very bizarre thing to say. I'm like, what do you mean it's genitals? He said it's almost a sex status. And we don't even see it as much in America. I said, you got to realize we're rich here. He said, if you live in Malaysia and you're a 20-year-old dude, where the average income is much lower than here, and you have an iPhone. I read an action article about North Korea, and it was a very poor country because of the dictatorship, but there's a few rich kids, and they said the first thing they look at, it was an article by a rich bratty kid, basically. He said, I look down if I want to be friends with the kid, whether he's holding an iPhone. So he's saying it's a sex symbol. That's what he meant by genitals. You know, that shows that I have power, like a Ferrari, Obviously, a Ferrari, most people can't afford, but most people can't afford iPhone. So status is powerful. Each of you, one of the things I want you to take away is how can you increase the status of your product, business, online store, whatever it is, because status, let's talk about this with the expert. Do people underestimate status, and what's a good way for people to understand status from from your evolutionary psychologist standpoint? That's an interesting and complicated yeah. question, but a um, uh, short answer is we, we evolved in small groups, and all groups have status hierarchies. It's something that people size each other up. I mean, as early as three years old, you get a very brief interaction, and people immediately size each other in terms of status. So all groups have status hierarchies, despite some I- ideologies that try to create systems that have no status. Never works. Right. And... From an evolutionary perspective, reproductively relevant resources always accrue to those who are higher in status. So what's an example, like a practical example? Uh, uh, um, Mating. 
Okay. Desirable mates, uh, or if you're into short-term mating, more numerous mates uh, accrue to people who are higher in status. So a guy like Justin Bieber is like high status, or, or Drake, let's take. So you're saying he has more access to girls that would want to date him. Absolutely, and it's more than that. So that was, that's one example, but also healthcare, desirable goods, desirable allies. So the higher you are in status, you become a, it's like a, in the mating game, just why people are attracted to high mate value, attractive people. They also want to be friends and allies with people who are high in status because there are what economists call externalities, positive externalities flow to allies of the high status people. So what he's saying is for your business, everybody here knows the power of networking, right? For example, I met Alex Mayer and it's been a very powerful, uh, actually how you call it, an alliance between two allies. MentorBox makes almost a million bucks a month and I do total work of maybe an hour a month. And I own 50% of the company, or a little less. We have 2% to investors, but I own 48 plus percent. And I do no work. So how did I get Alex as an ally? I was speaking at a conference. We were both on stage. Stage is like a powerful status symbol. Yes. You know, you go and you watch somebody, and all of a sudden if somebody's on stage. So little practical, I want to give you some philosophical stuff today in this talk, but also here's a one practical, so write this down. Number one practical tip, try to start speaking at conferences and seminars, no matter how small they are. Get up on a stage, and his simple way to do that is Google local stuff, if you're in a big city, and literally reach out either through direct message, email, um, and say, hey, I'll promote, I'd love to speak at your conference. Here's what, have a real little short speech you can give, 15 minutes. I'd love to speak at your conference and I'll promote it to my whole email list and all my followers. Because then if it's a small conference, they're like, ooh, maybe we'll sell some tickets. Even if you have to speak in a small side room and not on the main stage, then what happens is over time, as you speak at more conferences, you can contact the next conference and say, hey, I've, spe- I've spoken at blank, blank, blank. So your status goes up at, that, at those conferences. The other people on stage, you have the speaker badge. Those become your out. Would you say that's an example of status in yeah, business? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, w- one of the things that you allude to is, is what's called the attention structure. And the high status people are those to whom the most people pay the most attention. Yes. And so just the fact that there are uh, in this case, I don't know, 100 people here, or if you're in a stage of 30 or 1,000 or 10,000, all the attention is focused on you, and just simply due to the attention structure, yes. uh, you rise in steps. I'll tell you a, a one interesting, a funny anecdote about that. This is also true in chimpanzees, the attention structure. And once there was this, um, this true story, there was this funny-looking chimpanzee who everyone kind of stared at, not because they were high in status, but because they were funny looking. Okay. And this chimp, it was a male chimp, rose in status simply because everyone was paying attention to so him. So he's just weird looking. He was just weird looking. Now, I'm not recommending that as a way to gain status. They call that in nightclubs, guys do peacocking. There's like, uh, you know, if you if you read books by pickup artists, they're like, go and wear a crate. I had a friend, no joke. He used to wear glasses that blinked all the way. They had lights. Herman. 
You guys know Dr. Fresco. He's a PhD. And I, we go to a nightclub, and he right over, it was in on Hollywood Boulevard. We walk in, and he puts these glasses. I'm like, what? He's like 30 years old at the time. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, girls notice me when I wear these. I'm like, yeah, but not always for the right reasons. They're like, who's that 30-year-old man with little kid glasses on? But, but there's something. So here's a second practical tip on that, how to grow in status and get attention that you can then use to grow your business. Very important. I think once a month, everybody here should have an event at your house. So there's a guy um, in LA. What's his name, Maya, that does the networking book? Uh, I'll remember his name in a second. But he has a really good idea. Every Friday, you don't have to do this every Friday, but he does it every Friday. He invites 12 people to his dinner table, and they just meet. And it can be business people. It can be you know anybody, lawyers, friends. It's just people that he wants to connect with that he also knows will connect him with other people. And when you do an event at your house, you always get more attention. Interesting thing about Hugh Hefner, who died. This is somebody, I really wanted to meet Hugh Hefner uh, before he died. I had a lot of questions for this guy. Not about girls, but about, he was more interesting than people realize. I think I'm scratching here. Anyway, he said he never went to other people's parties. Zero. He had a policy. You invite him to a party? No, thank you. But you can come to mine. And he knew that, that whoever house that it's at, even if you don't have a nice house, when I started out doing this, it really got me started in many ways as an entrepreneur. In Raleigh, North Carolina, I had, a con- I had an apartment. It was two bed. It was, you know, this is my upstairs bedroom here. This is like two, 2,500 square feet. It was smaller than my bathroom. It was like the size of my bathroom. But I would invite people over. We'd watch sports, UFC thing. That led to nightclubs. Nightclubs led to all the other stuff. So opening up your house once a month. If you're a shy person, start by inviting your friends that you already know and tell them to bring a friend. It can be teeny, 10 people, but I'm telling you, the person who does it, my goal is one year from today, what is today? December something, second? Next December 2nd, you you come up to me next time I see you and be like, that changed the whole game, doing 12 dinky things at my house or huge things. It's really simple and it puts the tension structure on you. Okay, changing subjects here. Let's talk about reading people because who here has a business partner or a key employee? Somebody where if there were the wrong person would affect your income. Could be your wife or husband either also. Okay, it should be everybody. I'm a little concerned not everybody does that. (laughs) Basically, nobody gets rich alone. You can learn that from Mr. Bill Gates. He said he never does anything alone and he made basically the most money of any one of our time. So, dark triad. You introduced me to that. That's this psychology test. Who here is taking their dark triad score uh, test? I have it on my website. Okay. So it measures three factors. Everybody here, who's becoming good at reading people around dark triad? Okay, good. So it tests for narcissism, Machiavellianism, and some whether someone's psychotic. Yeah, psychopathy. Psychopathy. Yeah. Thank you. So. I have found it to be probably the most powerful thing on earth. In fact, if I was 18 years old again, and I was sitting, how old are you, uh, Arm, 12, you are lucky because if you listen to this, you will have a better life than every single person here that doesn't know this. Basically, this test, it's not always accurate, but when it's a bad score, it's always accurate. So there's no, 
I won't get into explaining what that means. But once in a while, people lie. So far this year, two people out of thousands I've tested have tricked the system. But people don't really trick it. It's designed correctly. Now, let's, does anybody have their dark triad score that we can analyze? Do you remember what it is? Okay, Noah, what was it? Let's pull it up. So you'll get three scores between one and 100. And by the way, this is like golf. You do not want a high score. But it's designed so that people go, ooh, I got a good score. And I got 100, Ty. I'm like, ah, <laughs> gotcha. Um, I actually changed, you know, I changed it on my side. I don't call it narcissism. I call it confidence ego factor. Mm. And Machiavellian, I call it uh, cunning sneakiness factor. Mm. And, and um, for psychotic, I think I call it like uh, courage something factor. Because someone who's psychotic usually has high courage. Yes, also taught by it. What, what's yours? We're going to analyze you with the master, Dr. Buss, here. Okay. Okay. It was 37 for narcissism, 47 for Machiavellianism, and 7 for psychopathy. Okay, so this was 37, 47? 7. 7. All right, I'm going to throw this out, and then I'm going to let you finish up. Were you bullied yes. at all growing up? Okay, I can always tell... Bullying is a massive predictor of psychological problem. Anybody here who has kids being bullied in school, pull them out of school and homeschool them. I'm telling you, it will destroy your kids forever. Even a short, how many years were you bullied for? Uh, from second grade to just about last year. Second grade to last year. It's a nightmare. What's the highest, you took the test multiple times. What's the highest you ever got in Machiavellianism? 68. I yeah, think. 68. So basically... We've talked about this. This is where I did the cutoff, but you can add in. Over 60 is like clinical problems. Like, even below 60 is clinical problems. The good news is, okay, so what do you think of this score? Out of 100, narcissism's in the 30s. Seems uh, like he's not going to fuck you over. <laughs> right. <laughs> given, given that low psychopathy score. So explain for people what Machiavelli, how do you see Machiavellianism? Machiavellianism is basically people who pursue an interpersonally exploitative strategy. Okay. I see that as the core of Machiavellianism. Yes. Everybody, quote, uses other people in various ways, but the high Mac person basically views other people solely as means to achieve their goals. Yes. Uh, and so doesn't value them intrinsically or doesn't value them as friends. They're, they will be fair-weather friends. Somebody's talking about Ripple. Let's talk about Ripple. So oh, Ripple, baby. <laughs> we're going to have a talk on Ripple. So just so you guys know, the largest <laughs> coins that you hear about the news talking about is basically Bitcoin and Ethereum. Those are the two biggest market caps. But there's a lot of other ones. There's Bitcoin Cash, and there's Litecoin's been in the news a lot. I want to talk about Ripple, sure. which is has pretty much been holding. It hasn't been like moving. 20 to 25 cents yeah, for like been, nine months. But now it, there's been some changes. Oh, baby. What do you see? What do you think? And then we're going to switch to Litecoin conversation. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't have much to say about Litecoin. But Ripple, Ripple's an interesting one because it's one of the only centralized cryptocurrencies, if you will. It's not even a blockchain. It's more like a chain of ledgers. But what it is, is, is it's, a, it's a tool that's being used by banks, in theory, to help overcome the problem of sending large amounts of money in between it and financial institutions. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a really strong team, one of the strongest teams in the industry. The technology side of it. 
the technology and the executive team, and mm -hmm. just they're really well run. They're run a lot like a bank. Who and, are they? Who are they? It's a bunch of folks. Uh, uh, one of one of the founders was uh, Jed McCaleb, who founded Mount Gox. He yes. then went on to fork Ripple and turn it into Stellar. But the, the, the Brad, Stellar is another one. Yeah, to talk Brad about. Garlinghouse was the CEO of AOL, uh, and he's the CEO now. So really, so a strong team. It's a really strong team, and they they've got a niche. They've got banks. Yes. Banks. Do they have any actual clients yet? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Hundreds. So names that we know. Yeah. yeah. Every they've got partnerships with so many major banks, and and a lot of them are still trying to implement it. It's right. not like fully implemented. But in Japan, but though, seventy percent of all consumer bank accounts touch the Ripple network. Yeah. So they, it's actually in deployment, especially in Japan. So it's a very real technology. People have questions about the token. I bought the token two years ago or a year and a half ago when I realized the price per token was like 0 .002 cents. And now it's at 30. Yeah, and it was a, no, now it's, no, it's at 85 cents. 85. Uh, yeah, 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 it was holding at 30. Yeah, I think last about, week it was at 30. 25 cents, yeah. yeah. It just yeah. has shot up. It's almost tripled in what the last, yeah. it's now, only it, been like it's driven. Days. It's driven a lot by sentiment. I could never predict the price of XRP. It, it's very hard to do. But it's one of those things that I've held. I'm probably going to go rebalance tonight because I think the price has gone up so much. I don't think any... So explain to people, newbies, when you say rebalance, it's sure. very similar. You know, I was in the conventional stock market yeah. and rebalancing is where one of your assets gets inflated in value and you don't want... Now it represents a larger portion of your portfolio than you want, so you yeah. want to sell it. So you will sell potentially. Yeah, it's it's actually the only token I've ever rebalanced, and I consistently do it because it's one of those things where it's a centralized company. There's a lot of dangers in having a centralized company issuing a cryptocurrency, and I think the fact that a a, a startup in San Francisco has that's worth a few billion dollars has its own cryptocurrency that's worth seventy billion dollars. Yes, it's kind of insane. Yes, you know. So so that is so. so I rebalance. I mean, you should do this with any portfolio that you have. You should have a thesis around what you're investing in. Yes. And if you, unless your thesis around the technology you're investing in changes, as opposed to the value of that technology, you should always rebalance. Because yes. that means just other people have realized your thesis, but it should still make up the same percentage of your portfolio as it did when it was undervalued, unless something about the technology itself is so changing. So Ripple, because it hasn't necessarily, your, your thesis on why it's a valuable token hasn't changed, but the price has changed, right. you're going to rebalance it, it down. Exactly. So, and, and just for the, I saw a few questions, people still not completely understanding. Explain maybe in even simpler terms how the Ripple technology is being used, let's say, in banks in Japan. Right. So Ripple has three different components of its technology. The XRP, the cryptocurrency, is actually yes. the least used part of right. their tech. But it's the most talked about. It's the most talked about, but, obviously. Yeah. But the, the, the Ripple protocol actually just allows for banks to send messages to one another. There's a system called SWIFT that yes. is... Uh, when you do is, a wire now, it uses you, the it's SWIFT, Swift system. But it's a totally broken system. Yes. And, and Ripple, as a company, is looking to replace that. What its token is looking to do, which is kind of separate than its uh, messaging system, is allow banks to more frictionlessly send money overseas to one another with greater liquidity and speed than they can now. So will the banks be using yes. the token? So that's the thesis. Yes. Now, yes. they're not really using it today. The thesis is if, if, if this can reach a $100 billion or $500 billion market cap, it can actually be an incredible liquidity tool, especially if it has the stability it historically has except in these run-ups, yes. where, where it actually, actually stays between a very 
small number, between 20 and 25 cents for the past nine months. Then it could be actually a really cool bank liquidity transfer tool. One of the things about procrastination, I read an interesting book and it evades me right now what the name of the freaking book is, but it basically says when scientists studied procrastination, you know, there's different things. There's laziness. That's why we procrastinate. We just don't have a strong enough will and there's some friction. So we just put it off till tomorrow. But some of it is a fear of isolation and loneliness. Some of the projects we think we have to do, we've been putting off. It's because humans are social beings. And not everyone, this isn't true. We have There's extroverts and introverts and people who get reward and or pain from other people being around. But at least 50% of the population, one of the ways to overcome procrastination is to do things in a group. If you're procrastinating on losing weight, procrastinating on, on going to the gym, if you're procrastinating on jogging, if you're procrastinating on launching a business, it's in part for many of us because we're thinking, oh, I got to do it all on my own. You know, I was working on this big marketing project. We're launching all these new Google AdWords campaigns and displays and, and Facebook, <coughs> excuse me, Facebook ads. And I'm like, let's just have eight of us do it. And we just all sat there around one laptop. It's almost like camaraderie. We're joking around. We're and the next thing you know, we're done with the project. Many hands make light work. It's an old saying my first mentor, Joel Salatin, would tell me. You know, So one of the ways to overcome laziness, regret, procrastination, I guess maybe that's what this whole talk is about. Didn't mean it that way, but you know, first practical tip, take a business or a, I should say, a catching up retreat. Second thing is see things as your duty that doesn't have to feel good and just jump into them without thinking. The third thing is, if that still doesn't work, try doing it in the old good old buddy system. Build a business with somebody else, you know. You got you got to need to do some repairs in your house and you've been putting it off, invite a buddy to do it with you. There is power in social groups. There's motivation in the proper social structure, you know. Structure your friendships, structure your business. There's a lot of power. Off subject, I just launched, or changing the subject, I should say. I just, this is, I guess is number four point of this talk. I just launched a new podcast radio show. It's called, it's, it's called the uh, Bitcoin Crypto Mentor Mastermind. For all you're hearing about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and blockchain and, and Ethereum and Litecoin and all this, well, I am going out finding... Uh, well, I've been doing this, but I'm, I haven't been sharing it publicly. been finding the best mentors, creating a mastermind. I did one back at my house. 33 of the top crypto experts came to my house, and I've been jetting around all around the U.S. and flying people in and going to visit them. And some of these are the best of the best. You know, Brock Pierce, who's the, the chairman of the Bitcoin Foundation and one of the biggest, probably, I don't know, top three most respected per people, speakers in the cryptocurrency world. He was episode one. I went and interviewed him. And then, so you can look for it. It's on iTunes. I think we'll have it up on Spotify here soon. But it's a fascinating world. This Bitcoin blockchain, by the way, it's a lot bigger than Bitcoin. I just tweeted just now, Litecoin, which is one of the you know top five biggest coins 
is has jumped from, you know, it's basically gone up from 90 to let me look at what it is right now, actually, so I can give you the exact. It's crazy. I mean, the money that's being made right now. I had a buddy who told me he's a trader. And he's been trading. He made four hundred. Uh, sorry, he made four point five million dollars this week trading. Okay, Litecoin was at ninety some, and now Litecoin's at three oh seven right now. It's insane. In under a week, it's gone up from $95 to $307. So you want to be learning about this if people are wondering if it's a bubble, if it's this. It's probably, it may be in a bubble, but these new forms of currency, which are not U.S. dollars, they're not euros, they're not gold, they're not silver, they're electronic. You could almost, Brock told me in, in my first interview with him that think of these things a little bit like virtual or digital, I should say, gold. You know, there's stores of value and they can be traded and there's a limited amount of Bitcoin and depending on which other currency you look, there's about 2,000 other currencies uh, besides Bitcoin. The largest are Ethereum and Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash, but you want to learn about these things. For those of you who are skeptical, you still want to learn about it. <laughs> you know, and remember, everything goes in a bubble. It doesn't mean it's a scam. Real estate bubbled in 2008. The internet was in a bubble in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Uh, these are inevitable, but they do not necessarily mean they're the demise of these things. So never be the first or last to learn about a new idea. That's what Alan Nation used to tell me. You don't want to be the first because sometimes then you're wasting your, your you know, time on things that will never catch on. But you don't want to be the last. Cryptocurrency has been around for a solid almost 10 years. So you're not early. You're not late. I asked Brock, do you think it's too, too early to get into, I'm sorry, too late to get into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? And he said, well, I don't think so, but it might be too early. So if anything, we're probably early. So anyway, that's been on my mind. Go check out my, my uh, subscribe and listen to that. I'm bringing in the best people that are mentoring me. And I'm sharing with you. A lot of these guys are secretive. They're very hard to get. Some of them made hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in the last year or so. They're not highly motivated to go out and share this stuff. But I'm calling in favors. They're like, yeah, would you mind? You know. And so it's pretty cool stuff. Very interesting. So if you're interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and want to learn how to make money with Bitcoin, I'm opening up a brand new Bitcoin crypto academy for you. Crypto is starting to fundamentally change everything from currencies to the very structure behind the internet. And if you don't understand it, you will be left behind. Remember, if you had put $100 into Bitcoin in 2010, you would have over $100 million right now. I don't want you to miss out on the coming opportunities offered by Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency space. So I brought in the best experts in the game, the people that are teaching me and training me, and I'm going to share that with you because it's not too late to understand Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the blockchain and to make money with it. So to sign up for my new Bitcoin Crypto Academy and learn how to invest, how to make money in this new exciting space, I'm gonna open up room for a few of you to have early access to the new online mentor mastermind. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast to learn more. So I'm testing the mastermind. So I'm just gonna let a few of you in at a low price 
and uh, it's already filling up quickly. So if you want to get in, I'll let a few of you in. So go to tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast, all one word, tylopez.com slash Bitcoin podcast. If the course is closed, when you get to the page, put in your name in the waiting list. You missed out on the first round. Uh, and if you see it, welcome to the group. Glad you didn't procrastinate. Okay, back to the show. I think I'll, I'll close with this thing. Marketing. Whether you're an employee, an entrepreneur, unemployed, whatever you are, teenager, one, grow your social media, you need to understand and learn marketing. Alan Nation, you know, I speak on him a lot in my my, really my second mentor. He was the mentor of my first mentor, Joel Salatin. And now a nation was this guy that I met who mentored Joel Salatin. And he unfortunately died. I would have loved to have had him on my show. He's almost the most fascinating guy I've ever talked to, even to this day. And one of the things he told me is he said, you know, Ty, you can outsource a lot of your business, a lot of your life, but don't outsource marketing because only you will understand you. Only you will understand your business in the intricate and intimate way that's necessary to convey a marketing message. So I don't know if you, you listened to my other episode recently. I interviewed LeVar Ball, who's, you know, his son plays for the Lakers and he's in the news almost every day. He was a feud on Twitter with the president of the United States, Donald Trump and, and him. And, and uh, I interviewed him actually twice at one game, one at halftime and one after the game. And it was funny, actually. Well, side note, the Lakers got mad and they, they basically made a new rule for the whole stadium that you're no longer allowed to interview LeVar Ball in the family room because I was in the family room where all the players and family go. And they got super pissed because LeVar Ball gets a lot of attention. And so they literally, the next day, it was the first thing I saw on Twitter news. Lakers outlaw interviews in the family room of the Staples Center. And I'm like, oh my God, that's because of me. I was hoping they didn't mention my name and go, because Ty was interviewing. I'm like, because I love the Lakers. I know Jeannie Buss, the owner. And I was like, please don't get me kicked out of the stadium. I love basketball. But anyway, they weren't apparently mad at me. They were just mad at LeVar. But when I interviewed him, I said, you know, LeVar, people say I'm a great marketer, but I think you're better than me. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, I mean, your name's all over the place. You don't even really use social media like I do. I use it more as a professional, you know, as a full time. You're... And he's like, well, he was, I was very impressed, I have to say. LeVar Ball, I will tell you this, be very careful of judging people without personal interaction. So there comes a time when you have to make a decision on a person. What I've learned after, now I've lived in, in Hollywood for about 10 years. And you know, I, I, wasn't, I was born in Los Angeles, but not the nice part, not the Hollywood Beverly Hills part. I was born in Long Beach. And uh, when I was older, adult, I came to Hollywood and I thought it would be a certain way. And I, I thought the perception I had of these celebrities and these people would be what they were actually like when I met them. And then I like met them and I was going, wait a second, you're nothing like the news says you're nothing like the media says like magazines say you're you're nothing like this like sometimes worse and sometimes better 
And so what I've learned is it's okay to judge. Sometimes people say you should never judge. Well, that's not realistic. Your brain will always judge. Humans are built somewhat to judge whether we want to or not. We have to make decisions of who we keep in and out of our social circle. But be careful judging without personal interaction. That's what I'm trying to say. When you personally interact with people, I don't know. It only takes me about five minutes of personal interaction to know what would have taken me 500 books and magazine articles and blog posts and news snippets to understand. So LeVar Ball is a lot, I liked him more. I I thought he was going to be an interesting guy, but I liked him. I've always found these people that make it to the top tend to be better than you think. Toughest people you'll ever meet are the mid-level managers, people who didn't really make it are not really that good because to get to the top, you have to have some social skills. You have to be somewhat nice or else people will ostracize you. So I interviewed LeVar and I said, you know, LeVar, what makes you so special and how you've marketed your sons and your sons at the Lakers and the star and one of the most famous basketball players in the world. And you've got these other sons at UCLA, now no longer at UCLA, but you know, doing their thing, making their way in professional basketball. And he said, you know, Ty, you should actually go listen to it because I'm going to butcher what he told me. But I interviewed her for 10 or 15 minutes. He said, you just got to be you. And I've heard that so many times, right? It's kind of like a cliche. Oh, you got to be you. Like, what does that even mean? Like, oh, you got to be you. And then I, I go, okay, I get it. What he was saying is you have to reach down into whatever small or large differentiating superpower you have. Small or large differentiating superpower. And that's you. And you gotta ride that as far as you can go. That's what you market. Relatability fires and triggers like at least three core human instincts. One is the tendency to move towards reward bias. The second is availability bias, things that we easily understand that aren't too complicated. And then lastly, liking bias. We, we yeah. basically humans are narcissistic. And it's just a matter of how narcissistic, like are you like a 10 narcissism or are you a one? And narcissism is the love of ourselves. And so when the average person is watching the Kardashian show, they have a lot of fans and a lot of followers because you relate like, oh, the hairdresser messed up your hair? Like that's happened to me. And so basically subconsciously they're going, I like you because you remind me of me. That's basically what works. So a lot of stuff in like motivation and self-help doesn't ever get that mainstream because it's too like hardcore. You know, you, it's like work till your face falls off. No one, that's not relatable. No one's going to freaking work till, most people don't relate to work until your face falls off and, and grind. And then when you have nothing in you, grind some more. Like most people are not Navy SEALs. Most people ain't UFC fighters. Most people are just everyday people trying to live life and make enough money that they don't fall apart, you know? So I think that in everything you do, I mean, it's a, I once read this book, Ben, 
And it was about how to persuade a police officer to not give you a ticket. Yeah. How to persuade if you go to an, um, an airport and you're late and they close the gate. Mm-hmm. And the guy, it was a guy or a girl who wrote the book uh, or it was a couple people who wrote the book and they basically gave examples where they'd use certain techniques and they've gotten them to bring the plane back. Like it's almost impossible to do. I don't know if you can do it post 9-11 or they've gotten a, you know, they've gotten a, they've been doing 80 miles an hour and a 40 and 45 and the police officer's like, all right, I'm going to give you a pass. And the key thing, there's a lot of things, but one of the things was, for example, if you go to an airport and, and I've actually done this and it kind of works. I haven't tried to recall an airplane that already <laughs> drew, flew off. I once was in Virginia and I was literally eating and I looked at the boarding pass wrong and I thought it said that the flight was at 9 a.m. But it was like, uh, I mean, I thought it said boarding was at 9 a.m. But the flight was, was at 9 a.m. Yeah. So I'm like literally sitting, I remember I was eating a donut and I had my back to the window. Eating a donut? I don't know what I was eating. <laughs> I, tur- I hear them like, I didn't even actually hear anything. I think I had a headset on. I was like listening to music. I was like, I got <laughs> like plenty of time. And then I turned my around and the plane was rolling away from the thing. And I'm like, no. And I ran and they, they didn't know. I missed that flight. But <laughs> I have got. You needed to know the, the persuasion. No, I knew it, but it was, I was, yeah, it didn't work that time. But I've seen it work. And basically the book said, fall on your knees and cry and tell them how, like, you know, tell them the <laughs> truth. Like your daughter's at home and she's, no one's going to be there to pick her up at school. And something that the person that at the gate relates to. Same with the police Literally, officer. Yeah. Because one time, I'll tell you what doesn't work with police officers. Be aggressive. And I knew this. I've never been mean to police officers when I've gotten a speeding ticket. One time, though, I was so pissed off. I had this car that kept getting pulled over because it was yellow. And I lived in Hollywood. It's the first Ferrari I ever had. Hmm. And finally, I was out with this friend of mine. And we're driving. And, like, I go, I'm going 35 miles an hour and I get pulled over. And I'd already been pulled over, like, five times. And this is what, like I said, I didn't grow up with nice cars. Like, this was, like, my first time having, like, a real exotic Ferrari, right? So, yeah, I remember that one. You remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. loud. It was loud. So this cop pulls me over. And it was the only time in my life I've ever been, like, mean to a cop. He was like, I was like, what did I do wrong? I kind of, I didn't go crazy, but I raised my voice. And he just was like, I could tell. I was like, oh, I made a mistake. Because he took, he was like, give me a second. He went back to his car, oh, no. waited for 45 minutes, came back, and he goes, well, I got good news. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm like, oh, maybe it worked to be aggressive. And he's like, the bad news is I'm towing your car. And I was like, what? And he towed the car. Took me a month to get it out. And when I got it out, they had left the lights on. So it was dead battery. I, gu- I had to push it out. I guarantee you the cop did it on purpose. And they made, I was like, can I leave it here until I get a jump start? Like, nope, you paid for it. You got to remove it from the impound station. So I, they have three cops help me push it out. This is a month after I got it towed. And it was pouring down rain. It never rains in LA. It was pouring. And I'm sitting down there trying to jump start Ferrari, which I found out you can't jump start a Ferrari. <laughs> um, it'll explode the battery if you do it normal, the electrical system. So anyway. What do you have to do? You have to have a special way to jump it. You can't. Just, of course. Yeah. But my point being, that was a failure in persuasion. All your problems come down to stubbornness. All my problems are stubbornness issues. Stubbornness. And there's 
four reasons, and that's all. Everything you don't like in your life or the world stems from these four things. One is sensual. This means addicted or physical addictions or laziness is a physical thing. Like you don't, sensual means you like to feel good. So some of you, maybe it's too much to walk over here and take a picture. That's an option. Sherlock Holmes said when you remove all the options, whatever remains, no matter is the correct answer, no matter how unlikely. So sensual, um, you could be self-important. I think part of it's this. Not in your words, but in your actions. Is it self-important if somebody tells you, this is how I get in great shape and you immediately take notes on it? Is that self-important, proud? No, that's the opposite. That is what? Humble. Is seeing me work on a certain set of tools every single day and zero people copying it, would that be proud or humble? That seems like proud. Now, you might say you don't have, all, you don't have enough money to get this computer. This, first of all, we have these down in the basement for free. This is the best mouse. You use a mouse all the time, all the time. So maybe it's self-importance. The other one is uh, sensitive. Some people listening and maybe some people in this room are butt hurt by my conversational tone. Get whoop-de-fucking-do. Welcome to planet Earth. You think everyone fucking babies you? What planet? You want to make a million bucks? You better get thick skin. You better get thick skin. Life's a little bit like a UFC fight. If someone pokes you and you fall over and whine and cry, you should go back and live with mom. This is planet Earth. By the way, if any of you didn't get your paycheck last page cycle, everybody would be whining to me. Everybody. So people want to be sensitive when you show what they're doing wrong. They're like, whoa, whoa, don't don't accuse me, don't judge. But if you do one minor thing, they're gonna come at you with full blaze. If I didn't pay everybody here, I'd get about 40 people, 30 people in this room, I'd get 30 WhatsApps. Yo, Ty, I haven't been paid in two weeks. Should I be sensitive and go, well, you know, it's just, I just, I'm having a hard time. No, you're like, fuck that, give me my money. So what I'm saying to you is, stop being so sensitive, do the right thing when you're in this office. I'm not talking about morals and religion. I'm talking about business productivity. The fourth thing is people are stupid. That's it. Some people don't have the IQ to go, uh, this person's in better shape than me. Maybe if I ask them, they'll help me. Some people still out there doing jumping jacks. Some people still going on the treadmill. Who's been at the gym and people are on the treadmill and still fat? Because ML said you got to put the heartbeat up to burn fat. You don't burn fat at walk. You can walk for six hours. It's okay to walk, but you're not gonna cut fat. Some people are too stupid to open a book or ask an expert how to get, lose weight in the same way. Is it, so which of these is at the explanation why zero people have the same tool set up as me? I have the exact same tool set up here holding in my hand of Emil. The exact one. I down. I made him pull it up. They actually were very jet lagged because they're from Europe. They're like, Ty, we gotta go. I'm like, just give me five more minutes. I said, let's pull up because there's two polar polar apps. So I didn't want to get the wrong one. I was like, can I pull it up on your computer? Is it this one? This one? This one? Right there at Mel's Diner. That's equipment I copied. I'm not proud. If it works for Emil, why well, won't it work for my body? I don't care. I want to be. Kobe Bryant completely copied Michael Jordan's basketball game on purpose, admitted it, and he has five rings. 
Not a bad deal. Copy people. Pablo Picasso, great artist copy. I mean, good artist copy, great artist steal. Are you a good artist in your life? Are you a good business person or great? This concerns me. It's a serious problem. Mentally, I feel this whole company's on probation. I'm like, what the hell? I can't, that level of stubbornness is not allowed. You know, your life changes the day you say enough is enough. For some of you, let this be a turning point. Okay, I didn't learn this before. Zero people in your life have ever had any of this conversation with you, right? You remember this taught in class? Remember your parents sitting you down talking about this? The four S's of stubbornness? You remember when I'm talking about tools? You remember when I'm talking about organizing your day? Who had a class in college, junior high, high school, elementary school on how to organize your day? Raise your hand. Zero people. Great school system we're in. Producing adults. All of you are smart enough to make millions of dollars. Trust me. I'm confident if I had the time, I could take basically any kid out of the inner city and turn them into a millionaire as long as they were willing to participate. You know, it's not an IQ thing. Anything here outside of people's IQ, ask people. If you see people using cool equipment, get it for yourself. If it's a money issue, find a way or at least get what you can afford, the mouse, the key. Also, I've noticed not all of you have this mouse pad. Why do I want this mouse pad? What does that thing do? You know, that keeps you from getting carpal tunnel syndrome. Now, you might not know that, but that's why you just copy. That's what copying is. You don't have to know everything. LeBron James spends a million dollars a year on his body. You guys not willing to invest $2 in your own body? Injuries are real, dude. Number one thing keeps athletes out. Number one thing LeBron doesn't want to have and why he spends a million dollars. It's all about cutting injuries. Do you think LeBron spends a million getting more muscles or faster? All he does, I sat next to Kobe Bryant for three games. He talks half the time about his stem cells on his knee and his, he did PRP on his knee and flew to Germany. Reduce injuries. How are you going to make money when you don't feel good? Common sense is not common tools. I will know in the next week who doesn't get it in this room. If you need to take pictures, make sure my screen doesn't have anything. You can take a picture of the whole thing. Free. Free giveaway. This is the best mouse. I mean, this is the best. This, this one. I've tested other ones. I've spent probably $30,000 on laptops in the last 12 months. That's the best one. It's the lightest. It's fast. It does everything, and it's 17-inch. Why do you want to stare at a 12-inch? I don't know why. Do you want to go blind? Do you want to see less? Do you want to have to scroll? Do you guys like scrolling to the right and left a lot? Is that a big goal of yours? Mark, do you like to take the iPad track mouse, scroll down, push it to the right, then when you're on the wrong page, scroll? I mean, it, it, it's very painful to watch. And I'm not just picking on you, Mark, but I am picking on you. Don't have a trackpad around me. No, you throw that one in the trash. That is not allowed here. If any of you is having a serious money issue, also when I had no money, I went on Dell's website online and I got a $20 or $30 a month plan. You can finance all these. So please, don't give it me the money thing. Joel Southson used to tell me, when a human says to you, I don't have money, just add two words, for that. This is what you do all day. Do it well. 
if you got a choice between a moped, Jimmy, you want to drive a moped to work? Or do you want an automobile? Moped will get you here, but it will, how long does a moped, how long does it take you to get to work, Jimmy? Yeah, here. Okay, if you had a moped, it might take you 30 or 40, right? So an extra 15 minutes a day, let's say you work 20 days, let's just say you worked here for 20 years, God help you that you had to be around me that long. 15 minutes times 20 days times 12 months times 20 years divided by 60. You would waste with a moped 1,200 hours of your life. And by the way, you have about 50,000 hours of your life that are your prime of your life, they predict. So, Jimmy, do you want to spend uh, about 3% of your life doing something you didn't have to do if you had a better tool. Tools matter. Keep it simple. This is cool. I think you guys, if you want to get this thing, Polar Beat, I think the whole setup, how much are these, uh, Alma? If you want to take, how much is this Polar Strap? Do you remember? I don't, I'm not the one that ordered it, but I can ask them. Under 100 bucks. Better than a personal trainer. I mean, not better, but. As cheap as one month with one, this thing is a game changer from maybe one of the most conditioned. And by the way, if you're the most conditioned athlete in the UFC today, you're probably one of the most conditioned humans in history because now athletics is at the peak. Okay, the third thing, and what I really wanted to do, I got sidetracked. I want to show you, since we use WhatsApp a lot, I want to talk about communication tool, WhatsApp. See, this one's already dying. So, Britt, that's why I said four. Okay. So, here's what you got to do. You need to be methodical with WhatsApp. So, what that means is, here's the definition of methodical. I was showing this to Ben. Let me move this back for a second. Show this. Is that close up enough, Mel? Yeah. Okay. It's got a good enough resolution. So, if you see this board, this is what methodical means. So we were working, actually don't show this whole thing, but maybe we'll blur, just blur this out with the editors. I don't want them to see my whole business marketing thing. So we had squares here, okay? Each product we were working on. Now here's the key thing. Why does it say nothing in that square? Why, why didn't we just leave it blank and move to the next one? To inflict pain on yourself, Nathan? Not that much. I'm not that sadistic that I want to inflict pain on people purposely. No. What do you think? Thank you, Alexandria. When you're methodically moving here, Ben tried to do this. This one, this one, and then he started skipping to write the action plan. The opposite of methodical is false efficiency. So Ben thought he was being efficient by going, oh, well, I don't think there's anything there going there. No, 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 no. That's not what methodical is. Methodical is when you, if you ever go on a plane and you can get near the cockpit when they're taking off, the co-pilot is reading to the pilot a methodical list that's never skipped. He doesn't go, oh, the fuel's probably fine. I'm not, I didn't tell, he goes, fuel light, ailerons, landing gear, every single, and if one of those things is in check, they stop, they don't keep going. They don't go, all right, let's keep in the back of our head that we have no fuel and just keep it. You stop right there. 
So you're going through this. What I wanted Ben to do was write out so we specifically in a perfectionist manner know there's nothing there. If you leave it blank, it could be misconstrued by another person in the team to be what? Maybe no one got to it. When you write nothing to do there, it's clear. So methodical is basically the concept of moving from square to square, but not going from that square to that square. This, this, this. This, this is how some people are answering WhatsApp. You come in to work, there's been 28 conversations while you were off break or, or you know off for a day or two. WhatsApp web is a huge tool because you can do it on your computer. So you don't need to be doing it just on your phone, which might burn you out a tad bit. So what I do with WhatsApp is, good, this is a good setup right away. Good job, Nathan. $5 bonus to Nathan. I've been giving out these $5 bonuses. Not much. I'm gonna give out Monopoly money. You want a Monopoly money 100, Nathan, or five real? Five real. Okay, you'll take the five real. Okay, Rexford House Ops. Okay, so if I'm in this group and there's six things there, I'm literally, one of the things to speed read is to use your finger. I saw Zach doing this, that's good. Zach must have seen it maybe in a video. Is to actually move your hand down. So if you have your laptop or if you're on your phone, you can just kind of be like, boom, 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 boom. If you see something that's relevant to you, if you're on your phone, you right swipe it and it auto replies to that. Or if you're here, it's a little less efficient, and then it puts the last message in. See what I'm saying? So now, if somebody comes later and sees it, they know what you're responding to. Sometimes, a non-methodical person in this group will just reply, yes, but there's 43 messages above it. You don't know what the yes is. So that's an example of using a tool correctly. You have a chainsaw, a business, sharpen the thing, use it correctly. You use a chainsaw wrong, uh, it will chop your hand off. Very quickly, most farmers are missing a few fingers, including Joel. So the next thing, when there's a conversation going, don't just interject a new conversation, number it. Even if the numbering is not right, I don't care if it's seven, eight. If I was gonna just inject something new into this conversation, I'll just pick a number, seven, and then blah, 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 blah. Why? Because now we know it's a distinct new thought. Does that make sense? So just to show you why this is important to be methodical on things like WhatsApp. Now there is a time, by the way, to not be methodical. You do not always wanna be conscientious, okay? There's a time, like when you're doing sales, those of you doing sales, when you're actually on the phone call with somebody, you don't always wanna be like, my name is Terry, what is your name? First name, middle name, last name, Thank you, I have your data. You don't wanna be like Dwight Schrute or Spock from Star Wars. But when it's planning, that's the time. You gotta know when to be hyper-perfectionist methodical and the time to be hyper-perfectionist. This is actually the term in the Hexaco score, perfectionist. Ironic that I wasn't a perfectionist in how I spelled it, but perfectionist. In the Hexaco score, the most scientifically related to wealth is something called conscientiousness, which then divides into four things. By the way, the smartest, not the smartest, the most competent person in this room will be the first to memorize this. You have it memorized? Good, what is it? Organization, um, industriousness, uh, perfectionist. Industriousness. Uh, 
perfectionist. Yes. And Are you saying you memorized it reading it off the thing? No. No, no. Oh. no he's that. No, you missed and that one. Oh, perfection. So it's organized. No, it's prudence because you. it's okay. Technically, the word is diligence here, but you can use industriousness. Organization, diligence, perfectionism, and that says prudence. Here, five bucks. Thank you. Hand that down. Thank you. I don't know why people don't memorize stuff more. Is it a memory thing? Let me show you how to memorize this right now for the rest of your life. Simplest lesson, practical thing. By the way, is it the most ironic thing that the school system, which expects you to memorize stuff, there's never been a class on how to memorize stuff? Who here took for one whole semester of class, junior, high, college, a whole class where for three months or six months you devoted yourself to memory tools? Anybody? The biggest irony. If you, the school system, I used to be less extreme. Now I'm like, just burn the thing down. Burn the thing down. Sometimes you gotta burn something down and build it from the beginning. This thing's dumb. You just, I'll show you how to memorize this for the rest of your life. You think of four wacky, wacky things related to these. And it doesn't even have to be the full word organization. Let's do this. Org, org. How about this, an organ. You know an organ that you play? You play an organ at the church? This word is, okay, diligence. This is gonna be wacky, I'm gonna offend somebody. Dildo. <laughs> so is a dildo playing an organ at church, okay? And someone sprays perfume in the dildo's eyes, okay? <laughs> I was gonna say, but the dildo's a prude, so, so. <laughs> there you go. There's a prudish dildo playing an organ, getting perfume sprayed in its eyes. Think of that picture. Anytime I say, what's the four things of Hexaco? The four conscientious traits? You go dildo, D-I-L, diligence, dill, diligence. It's playing an organ. What's the org stand for? Relation. But the dildo is not very sexual, it's very prudish. It's like, ah. And what's the last thing? Yeah, what's being sprayed in its eyes? It's being maced with perfume, perf stands for. Now you might be offended by that, but you won't forget it as easily. Literally, there's a dildo playing an organ, getting some stuff sprayed in his eyes because it was too prudish. There you go. If you don't like that one, come up with your own. That's the best I could do on the spot. But that's a good one. The wackier the story, the more likely you're gonna remember it. If you turn this into an organization is diligently you know, uh, planning, perfect, you're not gonna remember it. Make it wacky. Memorize stuff. That's, all you, that's by the way, what's the biggest tool everybody here perfect, uh, possesses? More than a computer. Your own brain. Your memory, it's part of your brain. Your amygdala is part of your brain. All these parts that control your memory centers, you wanna sharpen them. Not just a six pack of your body. That's great to have. You want, which I don't have right now, but theoretically there's one under here. But you need to have a six pack of the memory parts of your brain too, which are, like I said, some of them. The only thing most people remember 
is the amygdala fear memories. That's what people remember, and that's not a good thing. You don't wanna only remember negative trauma. Probably people here, the main things you can remember, well, I said, tell me something happened between five and 10 negative, you can remember your bad days worse than your worst days. That's a lazy brain, right? That's a lazy brain. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I got that picture he signed for me in my gym. He wasn't lazy, he was the opposite of everybody else. And so he had muscles, you need to develop your brain muscles by knowing how to memorize stuff. So sometimes when I say stuff to do, yes, you should write it down, but that should be a temporary thing till you equip the most important place, which is your tool. Ben, what's the name of the laptop I said you should get? Uh, the HP. Film them. Yeah, Good, that's enough. So he's remembering what he bought. And then it's a powerful tool. You don't always have to be, I know Google exists, but you still need to memorize some stuff.